Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome to the CEO of Destiny show. I'm your host, Andre J. Benjamin. I am delighted today to have Miss Julian Marsh of Sandcastle Jewelry. Uh, I love the mission of your business to reflect existing beauty and strength through wearable art. Now on this podcast, we really focus on how people can be a CEO of their own destiny, how they basically can take charge and become a good manager and a steward of that which has been entrusted to them through their greatest investor and how they can bring a return on that investment. And I was really caught because I am constantly, I'm a curious person. I read a lot and I kind of just go out, you know, my wife has to kind of put me on these book abstentions. Like you've got too many books, you know, you're doing too much, but I'm curious about things that keep people inspired and keep people active in the midst of when there can be a seeming drought or almost the palette outside is all, you know, negative, the narratives are negative or whatever it may be. We, the world goes through its different changes. Everybody goes through their different changes, but I'm always sparked up. So there's a magazine in particular where I ran across you. It's where women create. And I look at those spaces because I'm, I'm one who is, I love color and I love life. So it's just, it's, it's inspiring. And I, I came across a great article that covered your story and introduced me to your work. So uh, welcome Miss Julian Marsh to the podcast and to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's kind of fun. Awesome. So can you tell us a bit about you and your origin story and kind of how you got started? I, I, I hear you, you started at seven on the creative journey, but is there anything else that you want to let us know about your origin story? Yeah, sure. Um, if you're, I, I don't know if this spans outside of the Midwest, but there's like a club called like 4-H and it's, um, it's honestly like a little bit agriculture based, like people raise animals, but there's a lot of like home ec kinds of pieces. Um, and so I was a 4-H kid, um, which means a lot if you're here, but not if you're not. <laughs> so we had sewing and competed at fairs and stuff like that. Um, and so kind of with that in mind, I was always, there was always a project of some sort um, in my life. And so um, ended up buying some beads, started stringing them when I was uh, seven. I got to thinking about the business side actually just this week because they had me come in for career day at my kid's school. And always I, a joy. <laughs> always a joy. Um, and so <laughs> I was thinking about that and like, okay, how do you make this applicable for, you know, third through fifth graders? And um, I remembered the first, the first dollars that I actually made were because um, in junior high, there was a pop machine. And I did not have parents who were going to give me dollars for the pop machine um, on the daily, but I had friends who did have those parents. And so I would make a bracelet on the bus, sell it to a girl for her pop money, and I'd get a pop. And so... (laughs) (laughs) They say necessity is the mother of invention. And you said, I got to get this pop money. Absolutely. So um, I think uh, I think sticking in jewelry, honestly, um, you know, you described yourself as a curious person and I would describe myself similarly 
that um, it's an art form I've stuck with because there's so many different facets to it. And so I feel like I can always learn something new, do something different. Um, and while, you know, it maintains the same as far as it may still be jewelry, um, what I do today looks totally different than what I did even last year at this time, you know, things like that. So. Awesome. What, what would you describe as wearable art? Can you describe what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I do mostly, uh, mostly make jewelry. And so I also kind of like control of things. And so I'm making, I'm, when I say I make it, uh, I'm starting with sheet metal and hunks of rock and I'm cutting rock and I'm making my own, um, making my own stones for a specific look. I'm refining the metal back for a specific thing. I make a lot of my own tools, um, partially out of control and partially out of uh, budgetary. It's easier. And so, um, so I really like to control the whole process. So there's a lot of like art that goes into that. Um, and then, yeah, and it's essentially, it's made so that people can wear it. So hopefully when people wear my pieces, um, they, people notice like, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's not, you can get that at Target, you know? And so that's kind of a fun thing to get to do. How did you, how did you even get the skill set for, I mean, so you said you take these raw materials and then you start, you know, what, uh, what you, you see a hunk of rock and then do you, like, is there an image in your head? I mean, like, how did yeah. you, you look at a photo and then you say, do you sketch out something first and say, that's what I, you like, kind of walk us through that I that that yeah through that process sure sure so um I mean like I said I started like stringing beads when I was seven and just have continued to build on um I really wanted to go to art school um my parents are both in education um they weren't big fans of that idea <laughs> and um of course being a teenager I wasn't going to listen to that either and so Absolutely. um I it, I ended up um, visiting with a man who eventually uh, made my wedding ring, actually. And he was very influential in um, looking through what I had created up to that point. You know, I was like 18. I had a limited portfolio, but I'd done a few things. And he just really directed me well and said, I don't think you'll ever stop learning. I don't think you'll ever stop creating things. Um, and I think you have your aesthetic figured out. Um, you should go to school for something that's going to um, help influence this and get it out. And so I actually ended up going to school for marketing um, and kind of like worked my way back into my jewelry business after that. But um, a lot of the things that I've learned, I've either um, done trial and error. I've picked a lot of good brains. Um, whenever I meet anyone who does something, I want to know more about that. Like even if it's um, an HVAC person that has good metal skills that I'm like, wait, how did you do this? And what tools did you use to bend that 90 degrees? And um, so I've done a lot of research in that realm and read a lot of books and um, audited at different colleges that have better uh, three-dimensional art than the college that I got my degree from. And so, yeah, so a lot so, of different ways. So wait, let's back up a little bit. So you said you had a desire to go to art school, right? When uh -huh. When, and you're a teenager, about what time was this? You know, is this that would have been right in high school or freshman? Like circa like year, years, is that what you're asking? No, not like the year, just to say, I'm like, what, what age range were you in? Were you in high school? Were you in middle school when you started to? Yeah, realize? no, I was probably 
um, I was probably like 18 when I was like looking at, you know, starting to look at colleges. Well, probably 17. I graduated from high school at 17. So probably my senior year kind of looked at this, what options are out there. And then um, honestly came back to it again, midway through my college career, wasn't loving my major. Um, I was a communications major at the time. I was just trying to get in and out as fast as possible and started what was it that at, you didn't what was it that you didn't like about the major what was not connecting with you because there yeah, that's a great college question. students that listen to this so I want to yeah for sure you know I think um for me I felt like it wasn't it wasn't an inspiring major for me um I also it was a pretty small school so I had a limited um a limited amount of professors and just listening to my communications professors talk about what they did, they had like a passion and, and a desire for that, that I just didn't have. And I thought, I don't, I'm not going to make it in your area if I don't have the same like passions and desires. And there was um, another professor there, she was in the marketing department and I really connected with her. And I would definitely say like for any college kids listening, like that is the key to getting the most out of your college experience is to find that one professor that you're like, this is my person and they will bend over backwards for you. And it is just so great to have like, you know, that expertise and wisdom in your life. And so I just remember talking to her and being like, here's my heart. Like I want to get out fast, but also I'm not loving this. And she was like, I feel like you might like marketing and I'm going to throw you in the only class that has an opening it's a senior level class. I think you'll be fine. Um, see what happens. And I aced it and I loved it. Yeah. And that was where it was like, okay, this is the thing. Like, and I just, just kept wanting to know more. And I think what really drove me there too, was that I loved this idea of connecting people who were searching for something with something else. And so I think there's a whole philosophy behind like marketing strategy where it kind of gets a bad rap or it's like, oh, well, how do you sell people things that they don't need? Well, that's not really my desire, but I love being able to connect people who are looking for something with the thing they're looking for, because that's not always easy to find. So it's created. So it sounds like your, your uh, viewpoint of kind of, we hear it, as you say, you know, oh, with sales and marketing, it's just, it's so, it's so, it's the cringy thing that people but we're always selling. We're always selling our ideas. We have to sell our ideas to our parents, to our spouse, to our children. That's life. So marketing maybe is sounds from your vantage point is more of creating an awareness of what's out there for people that are searching for that. Yeah, absolutely. And finding, you know, and to some degree, finding the people who are searching for it. And, um, and in that, I think you start to see your niche, right? Like, like I, I make jewelry. There's a lot of women that wear jewelry, but there's a lot of women who wear jewelry who aren't my target audience either. And okay. so, you know, starting to really like know that and, um, and build that has been, um, really, really fun. And honestly, it has been very, uh, it's become a very relational job. And so that's, uh, that's a cool thing for me too. That's really my favorite thing is all the people that I get to meet and the stories that they, that they bring to me, because a lot of times people have a story that they, want to have a memento of and they feel like a necklace or a ring is really like you know a great way to be able to wear their story and also I think it opens the door for them to share it with other people when people are like oh man I love your ring they're like hey let me tell you about it and it's not really about the ring at all it's about what that represents to them 
See, and, I, and that's what I want to dig into that because I'm intrigued <laughs> by this concept of wearable art because, I mean, because you can hear, you know, sometimes people can have a bunch of stuff thrown at them and some companies and can just produce stuff just because they know people will buy it. But the way you say it, wearable art makes it sound more deliberate and intentional when you talk about wearing your story, can, stories, can you, even these um, phrases and these terms that you put on it, when were you introduced to wearable art and why is it so important to you? Because it sounds like you have some, so you, you don't just look at it as like, oh, let me make something so I can sell it to somebody and I can get these bills paid, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think um, probably one of the first, uh, one of the first times that I started to really understand who my audience was, was probably my it's probably my sophomore or junior year of college. Um, I think I had $12 in my checking account. I think my parents paid a booth fee for me. Maybe I paid it with my summer job. I can't remember. It's been like $100 to set up at this art fair, which was a lot of money for me to spend. <laughs> Absolutely. Broke college. And so I think in hindsight, I think I had to pay the booth fee, but then they ended up buying me a tent because after I like signed up for it. You had to have a tent, but again, $12, like I'm out. And so, <laughs> um, so that was their, their, their investment. Um, and so I remembered I worked all day and I made like over a thousand dollars at like $30 price points. So I had been up a lot of nights making all kinds of things. And by the end of the day, one, I was exhausted, but two, I realized that a person could step into my booth and I could tell you within 30 seconds whether or not they were going to buy something like wow. that. I was getting this visual of these are the people who are going to buy your stuff. And I remember um, just like listening a lot to it was it was just great marketing research, honestly, the feedback that I was getting from people and the things that they would say that I'd be like, yep, that that resonates with me and that describes my work. And so I think um, a lot of a, a word that I used for a while they that I liked or a phrase, I guess, was they would say um, it's like uniquely eclectic. Wow. <laughs> and, and so I was like, that's true. And I, I started to realize that um, I was selling things to people who weren't necessarily even wearing the same clothes that we were seeing with everybody else. So if you came in with your friend group and you were all three dressed in your own style, probably all three of you were going to find something that you wanted. But if you came in with your friend group and you were all dressed exactly the same, I'm probably not your place because I'm not going to have three matching things to carry out. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. And so the, the reflecting, you know, I mean, you said like my mission statement, you know, to reflect existing beauty and strength, honestly, that's both in the materials on the arts, as well as a person who's wearing it. And I have found that the majority of my clients are people who are um, fairly competent and sometimes are finding confidence in a new season um, or a new story or in accepting the story that uh, that is now theirs. And that those are the places that I love to get to just like dig in and visit with these people and hear their stories and, you know, just point out the strength that's, that's there, you know, and, um, and I love that. And that's been a really, that's been like an unexpected, like blessing through that. And so I think I've had a fair amount of people who will like, look at my pieces and they're like, well, this isn't just jewelry. I feel like it's art. And um, I always hesitate in that because 
there's, um, as with everything, there's a lot of different facets to personalities in different industries. Um, but I don't always, I don't always click with other artists. Um, sometimes there are people who, you know, they'll say, um, oh, well, what was like your inspiration or your breakthrough? And I'm like, I don't know, I had 20 minutes and this material that I need to use up, which is not a good art answer. Um, but realistically, a lot of times, like my, my breakthrough, if you will, or the thing that was inspiring was really thinking of the person who was going to wear that piece, um, whether that's a custom piece or me creating something, something else. Um, I really always am designing with these women in mind and trying to um, help them showcase their own like inner beauty and strength. First off, I love the fact that you gave us how you even observed and you did your own market research of different people that the foot traffic that came. And then as you started to notice as well, how, how you connect with people and almost discovering what, you know, many call now the avatar of who it exactly, exactly is your avatar. Who's your customer? Who are you, who are you creating for? Who are you designing for? It's amazing. I also want to, I don't want to glaze over cause I love process and I love digging deep into process. So when you talked about, um, take us back to emotionally where you were at. You went from $12 to $1,000, okay? That's not like, <laughs> we're not gonna just breeze past that and then I hit $1,000, like, no, you went in and you were like, this better work. You know, there had to be that mindset of, my parents invested in me and not only that, I'm, I'm trying to really bet on myself and see, does this work? Can you take us back to where you were at both emotionally, mentally, how did that feel to look at and to count up those final numbers and then to know, you know, if there, if you sold out, how did that, where were you at? Take, take us to that process. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to ceoofdestiny.com. Thanks again and tune in next time.